0: On from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news all about him, all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thank you, Chase so glad you're with us today we are as we have said before a gathering of people who are learning and to live what it is to love god love all people and follow jesus together perfect well probably not uh, but we're growing in our passion i pray uh, to live out that love uh, by the way uh, if you are new uh, and you have not picked up a free t-shirt, this probably hasn't been said enough recently, you can just fill out a Connect card and stop by uh, the Welcome Center and pick up that free t-shirt. Uh, we'd love for you to wear it. Uh, it only has our our little thing on the back. It just says, live out love. And people can then ask you what that means uh, and live it out. I want to take a moment uh, at, the be- at the beginning of uh, my message just to lean into a couple of things. Uh, that I would really enjoy uh, your participation with if you're not already thinking about it. The reading plan through Luke and Acts is uh, just a wonderful opportunity for us as a community to read together uh, through Scripture. Uh, it's one of my principles. If you heard me a f- few weeks ago, I think the gospel should stay always in our reading, uh, the Gospels is, what, is where we learn about, learn what Jesus did and we follow him in it. And so I think that that's vitally important. But there are a couple other things that I want to point out. One is if you're not familiar, if you're technology, if, if you're into technology, I'm not pointing you there or you don't have to be there, but if you're a technology and you're aware of version, uh, the app, the Bible app, inside the Bible app is this reading plan. Now, the crazy and cool thing about this, maybe you use it and you didn't realize this was part of it. You can invite others to join you in that reading plan and then have a discussion right inside the app about the day's reading. It's just a powerful tool. So my encouragement to you, if you want to find me, I'm there and I've already invited a few others. If this is the way you like to ride, uh, meaning using technology, you can uh, ask me to follow you. You can be a part of my group. That's fine. Or... Or I think this would be even more powerful. Create your own. Invite your network of friends to join you. It doesn't have to be any more than four or five people, but you're on reading every day and you're responding. And that's our desire. Jeff Titchen will be leading a... uh you know, every so often discussion group about what you've read, what you've, uh, what you've encountered, and he's going to do that. But you can be doing this on a daily basis or every other day, however you want to do it. But I would strongly encourage you uh, to read it. If you have a family at home or it's just you and your spouse, use this reading plan at your dinner, whatever meal you eat, breakfast, lunch, or you eat together, which I'd encourage doing that, by the way. It's a real healthy thing to do. But use this as fuel for that conversation, not just about what's not getting done around the house and what things your husband or your you know you want your husband or wife to do. Use this as fuel to to fill your soul. Allow Jesus to interact with you through the scripture. And through this. And maybe it means this shutting off uh, that Netflix thing or whatever that you're watching and spending an hour in the conversation and seeing what happens in that process of of, uh, reading it. So I I just strongly encourage you, if you want more information, I'll be more than willing to uh, talk to you about it, but you can pick up the plan back there if you're not into technology. Just pick it up, start reading together, and then when you come on Sundays, ask people about their reading. That they were doing. Or, and if they're not, they'll go, I'm not reading. And you can go, Well, join me. Don't say, Why aren't you? Just invite them into the opportunity, okay? The other thing that I want to lean into, and we've already heard about, is the All Church Camp Out, uh, specifically the Saturday baptism, which is at 5 p.m., and the community meal following. This is just a wonderful opportunity where we get to, we get to see what people are declaring in their lives. And we have several of our young people uh, who are going to be declaring Christ as their, uh, as their public demonstration of what they want uh, in their lives. And as a community of believers, we have the wonderful opportunity to come around them, not only in that moment, but as our ritual already says, we come around them the rest of their days as they travel with us. Right, And we want to be able to do that. So I just encourage you to consider it if you haven't already to come out for that day. And uh, just, just to be a part of that opportunity at least at 5 and the meal following. But you're more than welcome to come out the whole time. Well, if you haven't, pull out your Bibles uh, as we get into the text and the topic today. As you can see by the title, the title is Thermometer or Thermostat? Thermometer or Thermostat? So what is a thermometer? Tells you the temperature of the room that you're in, right? Or the culture or the world that you're in. Let me ask you this. Uh, How well does your thermometer work? Uh, The outside, if you have an outdoor thermometer, do you have one outside? How well does it work? Or do you have to tap it to to see if it even is working? This one, I think, probably was on, well, it's probably not on, it may be on a barbecue, I know every once in a while you'll get those on a barbecue and they'll say, well, they'll work for about 30 seconds, right? They don't work very often. How about in your oven, your refrigerator, your freezer, right? How well does your thermometer work in those places? Now, some of them, I get it, are digital and all of that now, yet they still, if I understand it correctly, they still need to be calibrated every so often, don't they? What about a thermostat? What is a thermostat? Yeah, it sets the temperature that you want in the room. I love these digital ones. I don't have one of these in my home. Uh, But you can get really precise with them. They set the temperature of the environment. And you determine the temperature that you want, whether it's in your refrigerator, you know, all of those things. You set those temperatures and it moves to the desired temperature. Let me ask this. Could it be that Jesus is wanting us to be more thermostats for the kingdom than he wants us to be thermometers for our culture? Now, think about that for a moment. We all have a commentary about what we don't like about culture. That's a thermometer, by the way. But a thermostat changes the atmosphere wherever they go. Could it be that Jesus wants us to be thermostats for the kingdom? Let's uh, discover what Jesus does, and maybe we can discover what Jesus wants us to be. Let's do that. Verse 27, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus starts walking, and within a short period of time, a little different scenario, but in a short period of time, he has two blind men who follow and call out to him. Now, does anybody find this rather interesting? I mean, I'm sure they had to get themselves around somehow, but how in the world were they following Jesus? Now, the crowd was maybe pulling along, and as my family said, well, somebody was assisting them, but literally they followed him, and they asked Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I had an older brother, And older cousins, I had younger ones too, but this is the game that would get played. They would play a game, generally with me, for some odd reason I kind of fit in the middle of this, these bunching of cousins around, and they would play a game where I would have to cry for mercy. Have you ever played that game? Pain inflicted until you couldn't take it anymore? Oh, some of you get it, some of you are like, I didn't have siblings like that. I did. I did. Uh, I had one sibling and many cousins, and they played this game. And so, you know, as somebody raised in those environments, you kind of go, well, this is a game that everybody likes to play, right? And so you might play it on, I'm not saying you should, but you might play it on other. But the whole idea was for somebody to cry mercy, to kind of go, you are bigger than I am, you're more powerful than I am. I want you to take away the pain that you're inflicting on me or the whatever on me, and I want you to stop. In some ways, these men, as they are shouting to Jesus, are saying the exact same thing. If you've never played the game, I get it, but if you have, you've been, if you've played baseball or basketball or some other, you understand the idea of mercy. It doesn't work in the same way. Uh, it doesn't have the same, but it, it works in the same way, but it doesn't have the same, maybe, pressure on it. You're not individually taking the pain. Uh, you may be pained because you're losing, but that's, that's vastly different. But what if you're truly losing? If these men cry out, have mercy on us. So what does mercy mean? Mercy means to spare, to save Uh, it even means to have compassion these blind men who were following jesus were asking jesus to save them to spare them and have compassion on them for we don't know what we do but it doesn't say they don't say have mercy on us because we're blind they just say have mercy on us the term they use a term that's uh that's often used in the gospel yet is uh, that's not often used in the gospel, that it's often found in poems and the prophetic Old Testament text. They use an old word, an old title for Jesus, Son of David. Now the interesting thing with that title, and we could easily pass this by, but they use this Old te- Old Testament and prophetic term because I think they're trying to grasp at who Jesus was, what has been promised of him. And they speak to his I think, to his heart. They, this ancient term packed with power and punch of the recognition of who Jesus was and what he was going to bring into reality. At least that was the hope for them. It was the hope that drove them to, by the way, some renditions would say, the, the root would say that they were screaming, not just going, hey, Jesus, help us. Hey, over here. Jesus, you are the one. And they were desperate, borrowing from last week. The promised Messiah and the lineage of the King David, and yet we are met with this, this as with last week's message, men who desire Jesus' intervention in their world. They hungered for it. These blind men were shouting and stumbling, I believe, after Jesus. Now, the incredible thing as we read this is most often when we read about Jesus, and by the way, if you have friends who are put off by Christianity, that's fine. If you have friends who do not want to come to church, that's great. If you have friends who, do, who really want to distance themselves from anybody uh, inside the church fine but have them encourage them even plead with them to read the gospels about Jesus himself have them contend with Jesus not the history of the church but with Jesus himself because this is an incredible story he continues to change lives over and over all right he does not stop that was that's not even in there he does not stop. It says in verse 28, when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, "Do you believe that I'm able to do this?" "Yes, Lord," they replied. Now think about it. They don't even he doesn't even stop for them. He hears them. I am sure of it. But he wants to know their desire. I think, he wants to know their drive. Do they really want to be healed? Do they really want to be changed? Do they really want me to extend mercy to them? And they call out to him in his messianic, this messianic Old Testament name that we kind of go, what, the king of David? Is he? Wow, yeah, okay, but he's not, he's not David's son, but he is David's son, he's God's son. I mean, crazy term. And they go in, and then he addresses them. In Luke 18, Jesus tells his disciples a parable of a widow who desired justice from a judge who did not fear God at all. And she desired uh, justice from this godless man in the story, godless judge in the story from her adversaries. This parable, if you go there, you'll find it's told so that they they would understand that they needed to persist in their praying that they needed to continue to double down even when it seemed ridiculous, even when it seemed foolish, even when it seemed out of character to do, to keep pounding on the door. I think Jesus over and over and over again demonstrates what he desires to see out of those who follow him, those who desire his mercy, those who desire his salvation, those who desire a change in their lives. These guys are blind, They're calling out, and they're following him, groping in the dark, literally. And then he asks them the question, do you believe I am able? Do you believe I am able? Do you have faith? Do you trust I can? And I think, as you have situations in your life that are hanging This question hangs over those situations, doesn't it? The relationship that is not healed, the physical ailment that is still there, that you're just contending with, right? It hangs there. And I don't know if Jesus will heal those things, but I think in one way, this question hangs over all of those things in our lives where we are going, God, are you going to, I mean, God, I want you to show up. And he's asking, do you think I can? Do you think I can? They answer yes. I'm not sure what the time elapsed between the question and their answer, but Jesus' gestures and words demonstrate what happens next. He says, Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this but they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. Now Jesus physically reaches out and touches their eyes and he he heals them. But he heals them why? What does he say? According to your faith, you have been healed. Uh, Their sight was restored. Uh, so how is your heart right now? What is it the situation that's hanging out there? How is your heart? Is it heavy or hopeful? Does it carry this idea that, oh, Jesus, when? When? Not whether you can, but when will it happen? Could be heavy. I believe that for some of us. We've been carrying some things for a long time. Jesus, you're, you're the son of David, that That ancient one who's come and has been promised, that Messiah one, you you are God. You're the creator of the universe. Does it really matter what I believe, what I think? I, I know that you are the creator, but does it really matter whether I believe that you can do this specific thing? Whether I truly believe that you have the power or the ability? Does it matter what I think? Because you're God, right? I mean, you're God. You you can do whatever you want irregardless of who or what I think. If that's you today, which I believe that there could be a few of us, for various reasons, very legitimate reasons, by the way, it's okay. It's okay to be in, in that place, in that space. I believe that one of the Ways of breakthrough through, and maybe not to get what you're asking, but breakthroughs through in relational, uh, your relationship with Jesus is really a confession of that place and space you're in. Many of us want to guard it. We put it in, and we oh, I believe God. I think he could do, and we, we, we say scripture, you know, with, all, with God all things are possible. But we know in our heart we don't believe that. We have not broken through and confessed. I don't think it's, I, I've tried, Lord. I don't think it's possible. I'm just telling you, you've got to prove it to me. I think it's the point in which we're real with ourselves, with our Heavenly Father, and, by the way, James five sixteen does come into play here with others around us that there can be a fruitful conversation and faith can flourish in those spaces. But until we do, I think our faith, we say that it can go stagnant, but it usually kind of moves progressively backward. But maybe, maybe it's not heavy for you this morning. Maybe it's hopeful. Just like these blind men, you have been hearing stories of what Jesus has been doing. You realize that He does have the power to do what He has said He'll do, and you're willing to shout to Him. You're willing to be blind and feel your way indoors and stand before Him and ask the question, even though everybody else around you has said, "You know, you've been blind since you've been born. You you know that you—that's an impossibility." It's physically impossible. You, you know, we, we can tell you can't see. No, 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 no. I believe that he can. You're willing to take the steps into the unknown to you to find the known in God by the Spirit. You see, when Jesus enters the scene, he creates the temperature. He is the thermostat For those things around him. The the culture around these men could have easily kind of corralled them into a corner and said, you know, it's good just to believe in God. He'll be good. You you can tame him into that box. But instead, they press in and they become healed. Verse 32 says, while they were going out (laughs) two blind... Two previously blind men are leaving. Think about this. <clears throat> and a man who is demon possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when and when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowd and the crowd was amazed and said, "Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel." They leave, and another is brought to Jesus. Uh, again, there are no words exchanged. Just maybe Matthew's kind of saying, "You, you know what's gonna happen next. Let me just write it this way. Jesus brings wholeness, health, and healing into this situation. He drives out the demon. And when he does, as we would expect, the crowd is amazed. Nothing like this has ever been seen. Nothing. I wonder in some ways... Uh, In part, why Matthew uh, brings this into these correlating stories. You can go back to last week and see how they're all strung together. Jesus is the thermostat in every room that he goes into. He sets the temperature. He brings the kingdom. He allows heaven to come to earth. He brings it But I think, I think Matthew does not want us to forget that there are thermometers in the room that are always broken. Go with me. Some of this doesn't play. I get it. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that, that he drives out demons. Friends, we will always have Pharisees or people like the Pharisees in our lives. They will be, continually be around us but their thermometer is absolutely broken when it comes to the kingdom of God and what God desires to do. Doesn't mean it can't be fixed, but it is broken. It is broken. And as followers who bring heaven to earth, we will need to remember the words of Jesus just earlier in Matthew's gospel from Matthew 5, 10, and 11. Blessed are the persecuted Because of righteousness, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. When we claim that Jesus can and they say, oh, he can't, what do we hear? We hear the words of derision, broken thermometers all around us. So are you going to be a thermometer or a thermostat in your world? I I realize that the, uh, the illustration goes so far because some of us do need to take the temperature of the room to bring up the temperature in the room. That's true. But I believe what Jesus has demonstrated to us is that we as followers in the kingdom, followers of Jesus in the kingdom, are to be the thermostats everywhere we go. When it comes to holiness, when it comes to love, when it comes to grace, when it comes to mercy, we bring it. We don't absorb everything. We give the kingdom away. We give the kingdom away. So a thermometer is, if calibrated correctly, can, and I will give you this, can tell you what the temperature is in the room. But that's all it can do. That's simply all that it can do. It cannot change the temperature. It is what it is. But I think Jesus demonstrates to us over these last few miracles and these last inner counters and what he continues to demonstrate throughout the gospels and he presses into us is that we are to be thermostats wherever we go. We are to be kingdom people who, who bring peace, not keep peace. Right? We go back in Matthew chapter five, we'll see this. The last couple of weeks, we have not only seen how Jesus heals and brings the kingdom, but we are learning from him how to be as followers where we bring the kingdom through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We walk into situations where we realize, oh, there's destruction, there's death, and we bring life. Yet, probably like some of you, you're like me. Oh, I see that, Jesus. I I realize that you said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come, do what I do. Be who I am and who I create you to be in those places and spaces to change the room. But just like the, the man in Mark 9 who desired to have his son healed, we say to Lord, help, I believe, but help, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Just as people worship, which all people worship, by the way, every person on the planet Earth worships something or someone. We all do. We all trust or put our faith in someone or something. What would it be like if we, like the two men, placed our faith and trust in Jesus and in the kingdom of what he can do, not what we can do, what would change? What would change in our world today? What would change in our conversations? But the question still is, how do we cultivate this faith? How do we cultivate this trust in Jesus? The amazing thing is it's, It's really fundamentals of of following Jesus or what we may call discipleship. Number one is to read God's word. Read God's word, period. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I think sometimes, like Dwight Moody is going to illustrate to us, our first response is, I just need to pray for more faith. But I think his response is right on point. He says this, and it's on the screen. I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God he said, I closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. When we read what God, what Jesus has done, we then start to mimic or imitate what Jesus did. Not on our own strength, but really on the strength of the Holy Spirit, humbly saying, Lord, if the kingdom is to come, it's going to have to come by your power and your strength. But we have to have these illustrations in our lives and the scripture becomes our prime place of seeing faith played out. I think once we read about it, we then have to act on God's word. It's simple, I understand. uh, But... I think that it's difficult for many of us. We go, not me, it can't be. I mean, it's like, it may be somebody else, but I'm not praying for that person who I just heard that they're sick and they need, I just went, oh, I'm sorry, you're sick. I, 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 I'm not gonna give to those people because they say they're hungry. Somebody else will come. I mean, maybe those are extreme, but James one twenty two says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Live it out. Become, become the, the action that acts is all about by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And number three, this may surprise you or the last one is commit to community. Now you say, Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Ah uh, you know you're stepping you're stepping over the line. I come here, this is good. But you know, I, I got a lot of things on on my plate. I get it. We all have a lot of things on our plate. I think I used the wrong address on that verse. It should be Hebrews. It says and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love. And good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That should be Hebrews ten twenty five. I think that we're called to be to be encouraging one another to step into those places and spaces that we might go. Ew. I meet, uh, I have several groups that I, I meet with, uh, groups or uh, bands or whatever. But I have a group a band. Uh, a couple other guys that I meet with once a week on Zoom. They're not local; they're uh, more distant. And so, when it comes to um, comes to my life, I have to be in that community. I have to be a part of of seeing myself in a band with other men who are know me and have known me for years, by the way, and are able to go. Yeah, that's not the best you can bring. That's not how you should talk to your wife that's not I mean and just speak truth into us we need not only the community that we gather on Sundays but we need a community of people that we may be in a small group and learning but we also need these men and women if you will who will be with us and speak into us and say you're just an old man stop it stop it you're growing sour as you get older not not sweeter oh is that too close to home Jesus wants us to be a sweet aroma of him in the world. He wants us to bring the kingdom, and one of the ways we're able to bring the kingdom in power is he demonstrates over and over again. Can you imagine being the disciples? Like, hey, come, and he heals this person, and he heals that person, and he he speaks truth. I mean, he does all of these things in a powerful way, and he's like, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You mean that stuff? Yeah, that stuff, not, I mean, not not handing out bulletins is good. I mean, you know, but that stuff, that's kingdom stuff. All of it's good, but this is the stuff that produces fruit. So let me ask, have you been more of a thermometer or a thermostat? What number would you put yourself in the scale? If uh, thermostat was like over here at 10, which is high, good, and thermometer is like, we're saying it's negative today, right? It's just today. And it's a one. Where would you put yourself? On a scale of one to seven. Yeah, when people have 10, you can't find a middle, right? One to seven. And let me ask you the next question. What is the one practice, exercise, discipline that you can do to take it to the next number. Whatever the number that came into your head, that's between you and God and Holy Spirit's prompting. But what is the number that will take it to the next level? What what is the practice, I mean, that will take it to the next level? Where you're engaging the kingdom and fruitfulness. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we read these stories. I read these stories about Jesus and his encounters. And and, and I have to be honest, Lord, that oftentimes I read them uh, more on as a thermometer today for today's illustration. Like, okay. Well, Jesus is hot spot on. But I forget that you're calling me to be a change agent in the world. That, that, that you're empowering me as I am and who I am to be a change agent for the world around me. Those people in my life who need to know Jesus. Those people in my life that need to know the mercy of God. Those people in my life that need to know the grace that has been placed deep in my heart. And so even as I began a little while ago with asking for your forgiveness, I asked for your forgiveness of taking the taking the position of a thermometer, a spectator, and not a player, a thermostat. Lord, would you lead us by your Spirit? We realize, Lord, that we're not perfect. You realize even more than that that we're not perfect. But you do call us as broken as we may be, to bring your kingdom, to bear in our world. Some of you, whether online or in person, you have yet to figure out where your faith is at, who or what you're trusting in. Can I just say that today, if you're listening, that it quite possibly may be your intersection with God. You have not trusted and followed Jesus yet. That it may be your day to do just that. If that's the case, then pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me Forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, may you be glorified by our lives.